This is the Sterling Vineyard Sundays podcast. We are a church passionate about encountering Jesus and sharing his love with our city. To find out more about who we are, visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk. Right, good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? Is anyone feeling particularly Christmassy yet? Yeah, feeling good? I can see you are. <laughs> Christmas jumpers on. So, you know, what have you been getting up to? What are the things you've been doing to kind of get into the Christmas mood? Christmas jumpers? Mince pies, Mince pies yeah. How many have you had? <laughs> I think Ali's got a problem. We'll, we'll deal with that. Christmas movies, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Die, die, yeah, Die Hard. <laughs> Christmas concerts, yeah. Anyone else? Home Alone, yeah, definitely. So there's lots of kind of Christmas traditions we have, don't we? So, you know, Advent calendars, um, obviously the ones with chocolate in. Um, Chris, yeah, I think once kind of bonfire night's over, the radio stations start playing Christmas music till we're kind of sick of it. Christmas carols, wrapping presents, watching Christmas movies, mulled wine, decorating the tree. I think that's one for me. So two weeks ago, it was still technically November, but it was the first Sunday of Advent. So on the way back from church, we went, we stopped off at the garden center and we got ourselves a, a tree, put the tree up. Um, and kind of I was rem- remembering kind of back to child because we were kind of cu- we were talking about this, like who, who kind of sets the tree up? Well, I'm happy to kind of go and get it, carry it in. We get a real one, so I'll cut the bottom off. And then once it's kind of stood up and it's straight, I'm kind of happy to let the rest of them kind of take care of it. And I was actually remembering it's because growing up, we'd have, it was quite a stressful event. We, we had a little plastic tree, so my dad would go up into the loft and he'd be, rummaging around trying to find it and then all the lights you know didn't work remember in the olden days when you had to check which bulb it was and then we had all these kind of ornate old um baubles that i think we'd inherited from the grandparents and one of us would tread on one and then it would just it would just be stressful so i kind of maybe i've kind of carried that with me but so we've got all these kind of Christmas traditions that kind of help us to feel, they get, in, get into the Christmas mood, feel Christmassy. I wondered if anyone had any like particularly weird kind of family Christmas traditions, things that are maybe unusual that you don't normally know. Well, there's a few kind of weird and wonderful ones that I've kind of found from around the world. So, you know, not every country celebrates Christmas quite in the same way that we do. Anyone know what the kind of favorite Christmas food is in Japan? Yeah, KFC. That is weird, isn't it? <laughs> that was so apparently, you know, they've got quite small houses, don't have kitchens. I think KFC have done quite a good job of their marketing, but it's just not Christmas if you don't have a, a bucket of chicken. Uh, in in what about in Ukraine? Anyone know what they decorate their trees with in in Ukraine? What was that? Not oranges, no. As you know this, don't you? Cobwebs, yes, yeah, spiders' webs. So we, we've got a tree in our village where we live, and we were told we need to put 
uh, spiders' webs on them. Apparently, it comes from a, a kind of story in, um, in traditionally in, in Ukraine. Apparently, there was an old woman didn't have much money and she couldn't afford to decorate her tree. And she woke up on Christmas morning to discover a spider had kind of made a beautiful kind of spider's web, sparkling spider's web on the tree. So that's what they do. Some slightly other weird ones. In Austria, um, so they, ha they have Santa, they have St. Nicholas, but there's also, there's an evil kind of villain, bad Santa in Austria, um, who's called Krampus. And it just isn't Christmas in Austria unless the men dress up in quite scary, sinister costumes and they go around with chains and baskets to, cap to snatch the kids away. So... Um, also, the Germans do something, have a strange tradition of putting something on the tree. Anyone know what this is? No, they, they hide a, a gherkin, a pickle, on the tree. Yeah. You, go, you, get, you love it in Germany. And uh, apparently the kids have to find, find the gherkin on the tree and then they win, win a prize. But, so the, wi the weirdest one I could find, and this is, this is up there. So welcome to the bizarre Catalan tradition of cagatillo, or defecating log. So locals in Catalonia, what they do is they, they make a character out of a log. Uh, they put a face on it, they give it a hat, and then they spend two weeks before Christmas feeding it fruit. Um, and nuts and sweets, and then on Christmas Eve, the family gather round, and they beat the log with a stick, and they sing it a song, which roughly translates to, if you don't poo, we'll beat you with a stick, and they hit it until it excretes all the, the sweets, and it's just not Christmas if they don't <laughs> beat the log. So, so, so much of our like, enjoyment of Christmas is the tradition of it, it's the, it's the rituals, the routines, it's the build-up as much as like the day itself, isn't it? So, and kind of let's be honest, like most of the stuff that makes us feel Christmassy has actually got nothing to do with, with Christmas itself. It's maybe, it's a Victorian, Dickensian story of, you know, Christmas with snow and trees and presents and turkey and things. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to knock that because it does give us a lot of enjoyment. But kind of it is that. It's the familiarity. It's the, it's the expectation, isn't it? If it's not, if we don't do it in this way, if it doesn't feel, if it doesn't look and kind of smell like Christmas, then it just, it isn't Christmas. We don't feel Christmassy. Um, but when we look back at the Christmas story, you know, what we see pan out um, for, the, for the first Christmas was nothing like what they were expecting, so to kind of understand the context, so Jews had been anticipating the coming of the Messiah for thousands of years. So in Judaism, this kind of expectation of a Messiah is, is a fundamental part of their faith. The word Messiah comes from a Hebrew word called Mashiach, which means anointed one. And according to the Jewish tradition, the Messiah is, is going to come. He's going to be a great leader and anointed by God and he's going to bring a time of peace and prosperity for the Jewish people, be a descendant of King David, and be a great military leader. So he's going to come in force, he's going to come in power, and he's going to kind of reclaim um, the Jews and their homeland and kind of reestablish that Jewish uh, nation. So back in first century um, Israel, the Jewish people, they've been living under persecution by the Romans. So the Romans invaded 
Israel about 65 years before Jesus was born. They conquered the region as part of an expansion into the Middle East, and they set up a province which, which was known as Judea. And life for a first century um, Jewish person living under Roman occupation was, would have been pretty difficult, quite challenging in a number of ways. So we know that the Romans, they were known for quite harsh treatment of people that they occupied, and the Jews were definitely no exception. So they were subject to heavy taxes, there was forced labor, there were other forms of oppression. So the, the Jewish people weren't allowed to, or they weren't allowed to kind of practice their faith. So the Romans were, they were polytheistic, they believed in lots of gods, and they viewed kind of the Jews, like monotheistic um, religion as something to be um, concerned about. It was a threat to the kind of Roman way of life. So there were lots of clashes, there were frequent clashes between the two groups. Many Jews were kind of forced to renounce their faith um, or face severe punishment, potentially even death. And so they were, they were, they were longing, they were looking for this, a physical Messiah, someone who was going to come and overthrow the Romans and kind of reestablish um, their nation. And so they were expecting this, um, this Messiah to come. And this, this is something that was foretold in the scripture. So if we look back in Isaiah 9, it's kind of where this, this, a lot of this comes from. It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. So the first Christmas was really, truly unexpected. They were expecting a Messiah, but they were expecting someone to come who was going to be a powerful person, a great military leader, someone of a kind of great lineage. But you see, God had another plan. It was always his plan, but it didn't kind of happen in the way that the Jews expected. So he chose not to come in might, not to come through the greatest and most powerful, but he chose to come through the ordinary, through the humble, and he chose to come in peace. So let's look at this story as it's told in Luke. So this is Luke 1. So the birth of Jesus was foretold. So, um, so Elizabeth um, is, is pregnant with John the Baptist. And it says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One 
to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her, old, in, uh, in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. So the story starts with an angelic encounter. First to Mary, and then the same angel comes to Joseph in, in his dream. And he says, Joseph, son of David, don't fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So you can kind of imagine that um, Joseph and Mary are due to be wed, um, and then Mary is pregnant, which is obviously going to be a, quite a surprise to Joseph. And he's probably... He's, he's probably a bit kind of torn about what to do with that. You know, in their culture, having a pregnancy outside of marriage was something of real shame. And he was probably wondering how this happened. Um, so, but the angel, the first thing that the angel does is he reminds Joseph of his identity. So he says, Joseph, son of David. He reminds him who he is and where he's come from. But then he says, you know, don't fear to take her as your wife. So we, ha so we have this kind of amazing encounter, two very ordinary people chosen um, to play a part in the greatest story of all time. And the story continues with Mary and Elizabeth meeting up. So two women, both with quite miraculous pregnancy stories, Mary having conceived um, as a virgin, and then Elizabeth, who it says she was in old age, doesn't quite say how old she was, but they hadn't been able to have... Um, a baby, and, a, and all of a sudden, she's pregnant as well. They meet together. Um, and then, so in the, the next kind of thing that happens in the story of, of, of the, the first Christmas, the nativity, is it says a census is called. So Caesar Augustus has decided that he wants to kind of survey his whole Roman Empire. And so right across the Roman Empire, everyone was to travel back to their homeland, at their hometowns, to register in this census. So Joseph, and by definition Mary, but it was Joseph's kind of hometown, they had to travel back from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And this is quite problematic for a heavily pregnant woman. So the journey's about 90 miles in total. And if you remember, there were no Ubers available at the time. So, you know, they had to walk there. It doesn't actually say that they went on a donkey, but, you know, realistically, probably 90 miles, they were going to go on a horse or a donkey or something. So they travel back to Bethlehem, and actually, so traveling back to Bethlehem was a really important part in the symbolism of the story, because Bethlehem is known as the town of David. So it's there that Mary's going to give birth to her son, to Jesus, and he's going to be born into the family of the lineage of King David, and in the town of David, just as the prophecy had foretold. But you remember in the story, you know, Jesus isn't, he's not born into status, he's not born into a palace, into a wealthy household. He's born into the most humble of spaces. So they come back to Bethlehem, but it's, you can imagine it's absolutely full of people because everyone's had to descend on the town. There's no room at any of the local inns. All the Airbnbs are completely full. Um, but somebody has a barn um, and a stable. And in reality, it was probably a cave. You know, it was somewhere that was just livestock were living in. And it was there that Jesus was born. So the first to hear the news 
again, the, it isn't the, the kings, it isn't announced, it's announced to the most humble of people. So the first to hear the news are the, are the shepherds. So again, um, the angels t- turn up. So it says, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. There's a theme here, isn't it? Every time the angels turn up, everyone is, is utterly terrified. It must be quite a scary thing. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So God chose to reveal his, his story to the ordinary. You know, the shepherds were going to be, they were pretty rough men. You know, they, they lived out in the fields. They kind of guarded the sheep from the wolves. You know, these were, um, they weren't the kind of, you know, nicely, uh, you know, white kind of clothes like we see in the kind of nativity plays. These were ordinary, they were humble people. It wasn't the, you know, the wise men or the magi that's referred to who were also in the story, but they kind of turned up couple of years later we think and they were kind of looking in the wrong places so god no- god notices the unnoticed the unnoticed and he made the impossible possible so this story turns out it happened just as god had promised this is how this is exactly what god had promised but it happened not in the way that we anticipated it was it was completely unexpected So Jesus didn't come to overthrow an earthly government. He came to establish a heavenly government. You know, he didn't come to punish us for our sins, but he came to put an end to sin and death itself. And Jesus was a completion of the creation story. This was something that God planned right from the beginning. He wasn't, it wasn't a plan B. Jesus wasn't second best. He was, he was God's perfect plan all along. And the, the amazing thing about the, the Christmas story is that in Jesus, God comes to us. God is, it's God with us. That's the message of the Christmas story. That's the message of Jesus. And now for us, it's not just God with us. It's Christ in us. So the real, for me, the real Christmas story, it's, it's all a matter, matter of having the correct perspective. You know, the Jews, they missed the signs and they're still waiting. They're still waiting for the coming of their Messiah. But he came. And the question for us, I guess, is we need to be alive to the signs of the coming of the kingdom. For me, it shows us that, you know, God's promises, they're always yes and amen. But they, 
don't always get carried out in the way that we imagine. You know, sometimes we can, we can, misread, we can misread the signs or maybe we can miss the signs altogether. I think as a, as a church, collectively, um, you know, we need to make sure we, we're keeping in step. We're, we're keeping rooted in our understanding of, of Christ, his identity, his compassion, his servant-heartedness, his humility, love for the poor, the marginalized. I think we can miss, if we're looking in the wrong places, we can miss that. Jesus came so that we can see the Father in all his fullness and all his glory. When we see Jesus, we see the Father. Sometimes, though, I think we, you know, we can have our hearts set on something, rightfully. You know, we can really believe and know really clearly that God's speaking to us about something. He's promising something to us. Um, and, you know, that's, we really believe that. It's as much, you know, a word from God, but it's as much his desire as it is, is for us. And, but sometimes, you know, we don't see things happen. There's that kind of a missed expectation. Uh, you know, it might be finding, finding a home, finding a family, having children, a dream, career, and we're just, you know, we're really believing it's good, it's good things and God, God wants that for us, but we just don't see it happen. And in Proverbs, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And there's maybe some of us that have that sense. There's things that we've been longing for, believing for, but we, we still just don't see them happen. And, you know, sometimes as well, just things in life happen and, you know, the worst happens. But we know that God is a God of redemption and restoration. And maybe even if we never see those things kind of come to pass as we had imagined, we believe, you know, God is going to do something even bigger, even better. He can kind of restore any of the, the worst situations. I believe, you know, God's plan is never, it's never for pain, but sometimes he uses that in us to make us grow. Um, and, you know, again, just going back, it's, it's that story of, it's God with us. You know, God didn't ever promise that we wouldn't have troubles, um, that things wouldn't go wrong, th- things wouldn't happen in the way that we expect. But God promised us he would be with us whatever happens. He's experienced that himself. He knows what it feels like. Um, God with us and Christ in us. So... That's kind of where I got to, really. And I just wanted to, I guess, finish by, you know, let's respond to that. Whether that's, um, we need a bit of direction, f- again, from God about where, where we need to go. Whether it's maybe there's some hopes and dreams and expectations that we haven't seen happen yet. You know, we want to bring them before God. Or whether there's things that we've lost, things that have... Um, you know, haven't happened in the way that we wanted, and that's something we're, we're grieving for. You know, God's, God is with us in that, he's with you in that, and he wants to bring his healing, and he wants to say, you know, there is, uh, there is a tomorrow and there is a future for you. Thanks for listening to the Sterling Vineyard Sundays podcast. 
If you want to get in touch with us, please visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk or find us on social media at Sterling Vineyard Church.